This is a reading of Rudolf Steiner's book, Anthroposophical Leading Thoughts, here translated as Anthroposophical Guidelines. I'm on page 40 of the ebook at the subheading entitled Humanity's Michael Christ Experience. By absorbing Michael's nature and deeds with deep feeling and inner vision, one will have a correct understanding of how to grasp a world which is neither of a divine nature nor of revelation nor of effectiveness, but is the handiwork of the gods. To see into this world knowledgeably means to have forms, formations before us, which everywhere speak aloud of the divine, in which, however, if one does not succumb to illusion, no living divine being will be found. And it is not sufficient to merely consider knowledge of the world. This reveals most clearly the world's configuration, which today surrounds man, of course. But more important for daily life is feeling, willing, working in a world which, although seemingly divine in its formation, cannot be experienced as divinely enlivened. In order to bring true moral life into this world, the ethical impulses, which I described in title The Philosophy of Freedom, are necessary. In this handiwork world, Michael's being and contemporary deeds can be illuminating for truly feeling people. Michael does not come into the physical world phenomenally. He and all his activity remain within a supersensible region, which, however, borders on the physical of the present phase of evolution. Therefore, the possibility can never arise that the impressions that people receive through Michael cause their vision of nature to become fantastic, or that they will want to practice ethics in a God-formed but not God-enlivened world, as though impulses could exist which must not be ethically, spiritually sustained by people themselves. Man will always have to approach Michael, whether by thought or volition, when moving to the Spirit. One may, therefore, live spiritually in the following way. Accept cognition and life as they must be accepted since the 15th century, but hold to the Michael revelation, allowing it to burn brightly in thoughts that one receives from nature, carrying them as warmth in the heart when living in a world made possible by divine handiwork. One will then not only observe and experience the contemporary world, but also what Michael imparts, a past stage of the world, 
a stage which Michael carries into the present by his being and his deeds. If it were otherwise, and Michael brought his deeds into a world which man must recognize and experience as physical, then we would see in the world not what is in it, but what was. If this were to happen, then this illusory understanding of the world would deflect the reality which is appropriate for the soul to another, namely to a luciferic one. The way in which Michael brings the past to effectiveness in the present life of humanity is coherent with the correct spiritual progress of the world, which contains no luciferic elements. It is important to realize that in Michael's mission all luciferic elements will be avoided. To realize this about the dawning Michael light in human history also means being able to find the correct path to Christ. Michael will give the correct orientation in respect to the world which surrounds man in order for him to know and act in it. He will have to find the way to Christ within himself. It is completely understandable that in a time in which natural science has taken on the form which the past five hundred years have given it, that knowledge of the supersensible world has become what is currently experienced by humanity. Nature must be known and experienced as devoid of gods. Thereby man no longer experiences himself in his relation to a world of this kind. Inasmuch as man is a supersensible being, his relationship to nature, which is appropriate to the times, tells him nothing about his own being, nor can he live ethically in a way appropriate to his humanity. As a result, this knowledge and way of life is induced to regard the supersensible human being or even the supersensible world itself as meaningless. This domain becomes separated from what is accessible to human knowledge. The separate domain of revelation by faith is ordained in contrast to what is knowable. The purely spiritual activity of Christ, however, is in contrast to this. Since the mystery of Golgotha, Christ is accessible to the human soul, and its relation to Him need not remain an undefined, dimly felt mystical one. It can be completely concrete, humanly profound, and clearly experienced. Through living together with Christ, 
what the human soul should know about its own supersensible being flows into it. The revelations of faith must then be felt so that they continuously flow into the Christ experience. Thereby, life will be penetrated with Christ, so that in Christ the being is found through whom man's soul is made aware of its own supersensible nature. Thus the Michael experience and the Christ experience will be simultaneous. Through Michael, man will be able to correctly find the way to the supersensible in respect to exterior nature. Without falsifying it, he will view nature together with a spiritual view of the world and man inasmuch as he is a cosmic being. By means of the correct attitude toward Christ and active contact with Him, man will experience what he otherwise could only receive through the traditional revelation by faith. The inner world of the soul's experiences will be illumined by the Spirit as the outer world of nature is supported by the Spirit. Were man to wish to obtain information about his own supersensible nature without living together with Christ, it would lead him out of his own reality and into that of Araman. Christ carries within him the impulse of the future of humanity in a valid manner. To unite with Him signifies validly receiving the seeds of the future into the human soul. Other beings who are already showing forms which will only be cosmically valid for humanity in the future belong to the Aramonic spheres. To bond with Christ in the correct way also means to protect oneself from the Aramonic in the correct way. Those who strictly demand the protection of revelation by faith as opposed to the influence of human knowledge unconsciously fear that man could thus be subjected to Aramonic influences. This must be understood but it should also be understood that it is to the honor and true recognition of Christ that the grace-filled flow of the Spirit into the human soul is attributed to the experiencing of Christ. Thus, in the future, the Michael experience and the Christ experience can stand side by side, and man will find and man will be able to find his way to freedom between the Luciferic illusions in thinking and life and the Aramonic temptation of future modes which satisfy his pride but do not yet correspond to his contemporary reality. To succumb to Luciferic illusions means not being fully human not wanting to advance to the stage of freedom, but to remain at a previous stage of development.
as godly. To succumb to harmonic temptation means not wanting to wait until at a certain stage of human development the right cosmic moment comes, but to want to anticipate this moment. In the future, Michael Christ will stand as the signpost word at the beginning of the path upon which man can arrive in equilibrium at his cosmic goal between the Luciferic and the Aramonic powers. From the Gertianum on November 2, 1924. Guideline number 115. Man goes his way through the cosmos in such a manner that his backward glance at the past can be falsified by luciferic impulses and his contemplations into the future deceived by aramonic temptations. Number 116. Man finds the correct antidote to luciferic falsifications by permeating his sense of knowledge and life with Michael's being and mission. Number 117. By doing so, man also protects himself from armonic temptations for the spiritual path to exterior nature, which is stimulated by Michael, leads to the correct attitude toward the armonic, for thereby the correct experience of Christ will be found. Subsection Michael's Mission in the Cosmic Age of Human Freedom When experiencing Michael's activities in the present, one is able to shed light on the cosmic nature of freedom through spiritual science. This does not apply to my title Philosophy of Freedom, which refers to the purely human force of knowledge when it is related to the spiritual field. One needs then to recognize that this means to not yet accompany beings of other worlds. One could also say, however, that the philosophy of freedom paves the way to recognition of what can be experienced by spiritually accompanying Michael in freedom. And that is the following. If freedom is really to exist in human actions, what is accomplished in its light should on no account depend upon the human physical and etheric organization. What is free can only originate in the eye, and the astral body must be able to vibrate with the free activity of the eye in order to be able to transmit it to the physical and etheric bodies. But that is only one side of the matter. The other side will become clear in connection with Michael's mission. What man experiences in freedom may not affect his etheric or physical bodies. If that happened, he would forfeit what he has become 
during the stage of his evolution, under the influence of divine spiritual essence and divine spiritual revelation. What man thus experiences, which is only the divine spiritual activity in his environment, may only have an effect on his spirit, his eye. The influence on his physical and etheric organization can only be what enters the stream of evolution not in his environment, but within his being itself, and which originated in the essence and revelation of divine spirituality. It may not, however, be enmeshed with what lives in the element of freedom. This is only possible when Michael brings from the primeval past of evolution something that gives man a relation to divine spirituality and which at present no longer intervenes in physical and etheric creation. In this way, as part of Michael's mission, the foundation for man's intercourse with the spiritual world is developed, one which does not affect the natural elements. It is inspiring to observe how through Michael the human being is elevated to the spiritual spheres, whereas the unconscious, the subconscious, which develop below the sphere of freedom, grow closer and closer to matter. Man's position with respect to the universe will be more distant and incomprehensible if, in addition to his relationship to nature and its processes, he does not also recognize ones such as Michael's mission. He gets to know his relationship to nature as something observed from without. That to the spiritual world is like having an inner conversation with beings to whom one has gained access by means of a spiritual observation of the world. Therefore, in order to realize the impulse for freedom, man must be able to repress certain natural effects on his being that come from the cosmos. This repression takes place in the subconscious when the forces of the eye's freedom come into play. Acting in freedom exists in humanity's inner perception. For the spiritual beings from other cosmic spheres who are bonded with man, it is otherwise. The beings of the hierarchy of angels who are concerned with the continuance of the human being from earth life to earth life, immediately see human activity in freedom thus. Man repels the cosmic forces which desire to educate him further and to give his eye organization the necessary physical support which they gave him before the age of Michael. As a being from the hierarchy of archangels, Michael receives his impressions with help 
from the hierarchy of angels. He dedicates himself to the task of providing man, in the manner here described, with forces from the spiritual part of the cosmos, which can substitute for the repressed forces of nature. He accomplishes this by acting in perfect unison with the mystery of Golgotha. In Christ's activity within the earth's evolution lie the forces that man needs when working through freedom to compensate for the repressed impulses of nature. But then man must really bring his soul into inner community with Christ, about which we have already referred here in these guidelines in respect to Michael's mission. Man knows himself to be in a reality when he faces the physical sun and receives warmth and light from it. In the same way, he must face the spiritual sun, Christ, who has united his being with the earth's being, and from that spiritual sun receive into his soul the warmth and light which corresponds to the spiritual world. He will feel himself permeated by this spiritual warmth when he experiences Christ in me. Quote, Christ in me, close quote. He will say to himself when feeling this permeation, quote, This warmth frees your humanity from cosmic bonds in which it may not remain. In order for you to achieve freedom, the divine spiritual being of primeval times had to lead you to regions in which it could no longer stand by you, in which it, however, gave you the Christ, so he could lend you his force as a free person, something the divine spiritual being of primeval times once gave you through the path of nature, which was then also the path of the Spirit. This warmth leads you back to the divinity from which you originated. Close quote. And in feeling this with inner warmth of soul, man will experience the growing togetherness with Christ and that of real and true humanity. Quote, Christ gives me my humanity, close quote, will be the fundamental feeling that penetrates and permeates the soul. And it is once this feeling exists that another also comes through which man feels himself carried up beyond mere earthly existence and feels himself as one with the stellar surroundings of the earth and with all that in this stellar environment is recognized as divine spirituality. This also applies to the spiritual light. Man can feel himself to be completely human when he is aware of himself as a free individual. However, a darkening is associated with this. The divine spirituality of primeval times no longer shines. In the light which Christ brings to the human eye, the primeval light is again present. 
in such togetherness with Christ, this blessed thought can shine on the soul like a sun. The glorious primal divine light is here again. It shines, although its shining is not from nature. And man in the contemporary world unites himself with the spiritual cosmic shining force of the past, in which he was not yet a free individual. And in this light he can find the paths which rightly lead his humanity if he understandingly unites in his soul with Michael's mission. Then in spiritual warmth man will feel the impulse which carries him to his cosmic future in such a way that he can remain true to the primal gifts of the divine spiritual beings, although he has developed into a free individual in their worlds. And in the spiritual light perceiving, he will feel the strength that endows him with an ever-increasingly expanding consciousness and leads him to a world in which, as a free human being, he re-encounters the gods of his genesis. To persist in the original, naive, divine grace at work in man, and fearfully shun full freedom in this contemporary world where everything is disposed toward freedom, only leads man to Lucifer, who wants to see the contemporary world denied. To give oneself over to a contemporary world, which only recognizes the natural world revealed by intellectuality, and is neutral in respect to grace, and only wants to experience and use freedom intellectually, parenthesis but, however, in which evolution, in deeper regions of the soul, must continue and in higher ones freedom reign, close parentheses, leads to Araman, who wants to see the contemporary world completely transformed into a cosmos of intellectuality. In such regions, in which man's gaze at the outer world is spiritually directed toward Michael, and his gaze directed toward the interior of the soul falls spiritually on Christ, thrives that soul and spiritual certainty through which he can make his way, without the loss of his origins, on the cosmic path to finding the true realization of his future. From the Gertianum, November 2, 1924 Guideline 118 A free act can only be one in which no natural process plays a role, whether within man or outside him. Number 119 The polar contrast to this is that a natural process is suppressed in an individual's free act, which would be present in the case of an unfree act, and would give the human being his cosmically preordained state. Number 120 This state 
in which man lives in the present and future evolutionary stages of the world, does not come to him through nature, but on the spiritual path by his bonding with Michael, whereby he also finds the path to Christ. Subsection Title The Cosmic Thoughts in Michael's Activity and in Araman's The observer of the relationship between Michael and Araman may well feel impelled to ask the question, how do these two spiritual powers behave in the cosmic context in as far as they are both concerned with the development of intellectual forces? In the past, Michael developed intellectuality throughout the cosmos. He did this as a servant of the divine spiritual powers, which had given him, as well as human beings, their genesis. And he intends to maintain this relationship to intellectuality. When it was released from the divine spiritual powers, in order to find its way within human beings, Michael decided that from then on he would be in contact with humanity in the right way in order to find his own relationship to intellectuality. But he only wanted to do this by continuing as the servant of the divine spiritual powers, the powers to whom he and man have been united since their origins. Therefore his intention is that in the future intellectuality will stream through the hearts of men but at the same but as the same force which streamed out of the divine spiritual powers at the beginning it is a completely different situation with araman he has long since separated himself from the evolutionary stream to which the aforementioned divine spiritual powers belong in the primeval past, he placed himself alongside them as an independent cosmic power. Although he exists spatially in the world, to which man belongs at present, he develops no relationship of forces with the beings who rightfully belong to this world. Only because intellectuality has been separated from the divine spiritual essence and approaches this world, does Araman find himself so related to this intellectuality that he is able in his own way to connect through it to humanity. For what humanity receives at present as a gift, he absorbed in the primordial past. If he is able, Araman will make humanity's received intellect similar to his own. That is his intention. Araman appropriated intellectuality at a time when he could not interiorize it. It has remained a force within his being that has nothing to do with heart and soul. Intellectuality streams out of 
Araman as a frost-bitten, soulless cosmic impulse. And those people who are seized by this impulse develop a logic devoid of compassion and love, which seems to speak for itself. In truth, it is Araman speaking in it, in which there is no sign of the true inner loving relationship between what man is and what he thinks, speaks, and does. But Michael never appropriated intellectuality to himself. He manages it as a divine spiritual force in that he feels himself united with the divine spiritual powers. By thus permeating intellectuality, he indicates the potentiality in it to be just as valid an expression of the heart, the soul, as of the head, the spirit. For Michael carries within him all the primal forces of his gods and those of man. Thereby he does not transfuse intellectuality with wintry frost, devoid of soul, but he stands by it in soul-filled inner warmth. This is also the reason why Michael wanders through the cosmos with earnest mane and gesture, inwardly so united with intelligent content as he is, means that he must also fulfill the condition not to introduce anything of subjective arbitrariness, wishes, or desire into this content. Otherwise, logic would be the arbitrariness of one being instead of an expression of the cosmos. To maintain his being as an expression of the cosmic essence, to leave everything in his inner self which reflects his own being. Michael considers this to be his virtue. His significance is directed toward the great context of the cosmos. His main expresses this. His will, which approaches man, is meant to reflect what he perceives in the cosmos. His bearing and his gestures express this. Michael is earnest in everything, for earnestness, as the revelation of a being, is the mirror of the cosmos from that being. Smiling is the expression of what streams into the world from a being. One of the Michaelic imaginations is the following. He moves with the flow of time, borne by cosmic light as his essence, framing cosmic warmth as the revealer of his own being. A being akin to a world, he wanders in waves, affirming himself in that he affirms the world, leading forces from all corners of the universe down to earth. In contrast, an Aramonic one. In his progress, he would conquer space from time. He is surrounded by darkness, in which he sends the rays of his own light, 
The more he achieves his goal, stronger is the frost around him. He moves as a world which is completely concentrated in one being, his own, in which he only affirms himself by denying the world. He moves as though he carried with him the sinister forces of earth's dark caves. If man seeks freedom without detouring into egotism, when freedom becomes the pure love of action, then it is possible for him to approach Michael. If he wishes to act in freedom by developing egotism, if freedom is the prideful desire to reveal himself in his acts, then he is in danger of falling into Araman's realm. The imaginations described above beam forth man's love for action, Michael, or his self-love when he acts, Araman. In that man feels himself as a free being to be near to Michael, he is on the way to carry the force of intellectuality into his, quote, whole humanity, close quote. Although he thinks with his heart head, his heart fills his thinking with either light or darkness. His will streams from his humanity in that his thoughts stream into him as intentions. The human being becomes more human when he is an expression of the world. He finds himself not by seeking himself, but by willingly uniting himself with the world. If man succumbs to Araman's temptations while developing his freedom, he will be dragged into intellectuality like a spiritual automaton in which he is a cog, but no longer himself. All his thinking is a function of the head. This alone separates it from the experiences of the heart and his own will, and snuffs out his individuality. Man loses more and more of his inner humanity by becoming the expression of his own individuality. He loses himself by seeking himself. He withdraws from the world to which he denies love. But man only truly experiences himself if he loves the world. It is perhaps obvious from the foregoing that Michael is the guide to Christ. Michael travels with love through the world with all the earnestness, earnestness of his being, his posture and his acts. Whoever adheres to him cultivates love in relation to the outer world. And love in relation to the outer world must first be developed, otherwise it is self-love. If this love in the Michaelic sense exists, then love for the other can also stream back to one's own self. One will be able to love without loving one's self. And on the path of such love, Christ is to be found by the human soul. 
whoever adheres to Michael cultivates love in relation to the outer world, and thereby he finds the relation to his soul's inner world which leads him to Christ. The age now dawning requires that humanity view a spiritual world in closest proximity to the perceived physical one, and in which can be found what has been described here as the Michael being and the Michael mission. For that world, which man envisions when perceiving this physical world as nature, is not the one in which he directly lives, but one which is as far beneath the truly human one as the Michaelic one is above it. But he doesn't realize that when he makes an image of his world, another one unconsciously arises. When he paints this picture, he is already in the process of alienating himself and becoming a spiritual automaton. Man can only preserve his humanity if he confronts the image of himself immersed in nature with the one in which Michael reigns, the one in which Michael leads the way to Christ. Guideline number 121 One has not yet comprehended what is active in the world and the meaning for the world of these activities, for example, cosmic thoughts, if one goes no farther than these activities themselves. For one must perceive the being from whom these activities originate, for example, whether the cosmic thoughts are brought into and throughout the world by Michael or Araman. Number 122. What can have a wholesome and creative effect coming from one being because of his relation to the world can be proven perverse and destructive when it comes from another being. Cosmic thoughts carry man into the world if he receives them from Michael. They lead him away from his wholesome future if Araman gives them to him. Number 123 Through such considerations, one is ever more able to overcome the viewpoint of a vague spirituality, that pantheism which is thought to be the foundation of things. And one is then led to a definite, concrete viewpoint which enables him to form representations, mental pictures, of the spiritual beings of the higher hierarchies. For reality is present everywhere in existential being, and what is not existential being in this reality is the activity which is acted out in the relation from being to being. This can only be understood by directing one's gaze to the active spiritual beings. There's a footnote here that existential being is from the German im Wesenhaften, Haften. The end of section 7 
I'm on page 49. I will begin with the next subsection, which is entitled First Contemplation, How Michael Prepares His Earthly Mission in the Spiritual World by Conquering Lucifer at the Gates of the Consciousness Soul. That will be where I will begin next time.